Hello, and welcome to a new Neverland case file. Get your files ready and your minds prepared because we are diving into a new one all about somebody who's been in the media a lot lately, Jeffrey Dahmer. He has gotten a lot of attention lately with the new Dahmer Netflix series and his voice confession tapes as well on Netflix. Now, before we dive in too deep on this podcast, it is for mature audiences only and should be intended for anyone 13 and up. Now, with that out of the way, pass over that strange smelling sandwich and let's dive on into Jeffrey Dahmer's early life and all the way into his serial killings. Dahmer was born May 21st, 1920. By most accounts of Dahmer's early life, he had a fairly normal childhood. It was only when he became a little older that he became withdrawn and uncommunicative. He had little to no interest in normal hobbies, such as sports, playing with others, and even Boy Scouts, which his father frequently tried to get him to join. He instead got very into examining animal carcasses and drinking heavily for small entertainment and enjoyment. He drank all the way through high school and graduated in 1978. It was only three short weeks later that the 18-year-old committed his first murder. You see, Dahmer was left in his family home alone. His parents, who have been fighting for all of his childhood, had finally decided to split ways. You see, throughout his entire childhood, his mother had been suffering from various different things and taking lots of medication. She had even taken several medications while she was pregnant with Dahmer. Neither parents stayed in the home during the divorce, believing that the other would look after the 18-year-old man. Dahmer, seeing an opportunity, decided to act on his dark thoughts. Dahmer had discovered pretty early on that he was gay, and at the times that he grew up in, being gay was not a normal and okay thing to be. So he hid it from everybody. His prom date later said, that he didn't even kiss her goodnight, and he also left her for about an hour to go get a cheeseburger from McDonald's. Questionable if it was actually a cheeseburger and maybe a gay hookup, we will never know. Dahmer seeing an opportunity to act into his darker thoughts while his parents were gone was a completely different thing. Stephen Hicks. This is the hitchhiker that Dahmer picked up and offered him a place to sleep and a beer. The two men were fine at first, but Hicks felt uncomfortable with this awkward man who had no social skills and wanted to leave. When Hicks expressed that he wanted to leave and get out and also get back to his girlfriend, Dahmer was devastated. Dahmer hit Hicks in the back of the head with a 10-pound dumbbell. Now, I'm really hoping this man is dead at this point because Dahmer did cut up his body and bury him in the backyard of his home. When Dahmer later spoke of the incident, he would say that he didn't want to kill him, but they got along so well and they were around the same age that when Hicks said he wanted to leave, 
and that he had a girlfriend, Dahmer just wanted him to stay forever. And killing him was a pretty good way to ensure that Hakes would always be at Dahmer's house. It would be nine years before he killed again. When Dahmer's dad returned to the house after only staying 10 miles away in a hotel, he found the house trashed with beer and liquor bottles. His father was quick to get his son into college and hopefully get his life turned around. Dahmer attended college but didn't stay for long because his continued drinking kept him out of class. He dropped out and his father then enlisted him in the army. At least during basic training, Dahmer was sober. He served as a combat medic in Germany from 1979 to 1981. Here, Dahmer was able to forget what he had done at his parents' house. He was able to forget the murder and also that he was gay. However, he never kicked his habit and was discharged that spring. When asked where he wanted to be dropped off, he said Miami, thinking the sunshine could do him some good. For so long, he was able to push away the memory of his first murder. He begged his father to come home, and his father decided he could go live with his grandmother in Wisconsin, but not back in the family home with him and his new wife. Dahmer got a job while he was staying with his grandmother. He was able to go to work and even went to church some of the time. He became the perfect grandson and a model citizen to her and his dad. But he did have one gay encounter one day that changed everything in his life. A man at the library dropped a note in Dahmer's lap. It read, meet me in the bathroom and I'll give you a blowjob. Although Dahmer didn't meet the man, it did awaken his sexual side again. By 1985, he was frequenting gay bathhouses where he would drug men and rape them, or many times just lay with them and with his head on their chest. It was very comforting for Dahmer to just listen to their heartbeats. Although he was arrested twice for indecent exposure, none were because of the bathhouses. These men knew they were being drugged, but were so scared of speaking up and causing problems for the gay community, Dahmer always got away with what he was doing. Until one day, he almost caused an overdose in one of his victims. From that point on, the bathhouses no longer allowed Dahmer inside and would often tell men to run away from Dahmer. Dahmer only faced probation for sexual assault against a minor, which was very, very unfortunate, but the man got away with his life. His second victim would not be so lucky. His second, second victim is Tom Stephen and was killed in September of 1987. Because the bathhouses no longer allowed Dahmer to go inside, Dahmer took Stephen to a hotel room. Dahmer spent the night with Stephen, but when he awoke in the morning, Stephen's beaten and dead body hung off the side of the bed. Dahmer stated that he had no intention on murdering him and also had no memory of murdering him.
Dahmer left the hotel room quickly, putting a do not disturb sign on the door. Everybody in the hotel respected the door and nobody went inside. Dahmer put Stephen in a suitcase down in the basement of his grandmother's house. On the way to the house, Dahmer got a cab and the cab driver helped him load the heavy suitcase in saying, what's in here, a body? And Dahmer replied, yes. No one even realized it wasn't a joke. After his second victims, his killings occurred sporadically with two victims in 1988 and 1989, and four in 1990. Dahmer was now unstoppable. His fantasies and thoughts about murder were uncontrollable now. Dahmer moved to his Milwaukee apartment in May of 1990. And if they had managed to just come by once, they would have noticed what Dahmer was up to and possibly stopped it. Dahmer was free to murder as he pleased. Dahmer became a normal at the gay bars in Milwaukee and his neighbors noticed how many people were coming over, but also how many people were not leaving afterwards. Dahmer was still very, very lonely and he always wanted somebody to just stay with him and be with him. The only problem with bodies was that he needed to dispose of them fast. He took many pictures of the bodies and kept parts for himself, but pictures and body parts were not going to keep him warm at night. Dahmer wanted more than anything something that he could control and that would never leave him. So, when Dahmer met a young boy only 13 years of age, he decided it was time for him to put his next science experiment into place. He invited the boy back to his house with the promise of beer. Dahmer drugged the boy like all the others and then drilled a small hole in his skull, aiming for the frontal lobe. Then he poured acid into the boy's skull, creating what he called his very own sex zombie, something that couldn't tell him no, that was alive, and also could never leave him. Only his sex zombie got out. The boy, now naked, ran out of the apartment and went to find help. He was disoriented and couldn't walk quite right. Dahmer tried to get him back inside before police were called. He was too late. Police were called and the bystanders were saying the boy was only 13 and needed help. Dahmer was able to convince police that he was 20 and just drunk. He also said it was his boyfriend. The police said it wasn't their business and helped Dahmer take the boy back into his apartment. This was a chance to save the boy and keep him safe, to get him out of Dahmer's apartment and away from him. Even a single night in jail or trying to find some sort of ID for the boy could have kept him so much safer than what had happened. But being scared of the AIDS epidemic that was happening at the time, 
they left the boy and Dahmer, and later that same night, the boy was dead. In fact, the police got many calls to Dahmer's apartment from neighbors. Weird sounds, someone screaming, and the worst was the smell. On several occasions, Dahmer's landlord caught him outside of his apartment and said if he didn't do something about the smell, he would be kicked out. By the time Dahmer was caught and arrested, he had a severed head in his fridge, two bodies in his bathtub, and several skulls and organs inside his closet. On July 22, 1991, Dahmer lured Tracy Edwards into his house with the promise of money for company. Dahmer forced Tracy into the bedroom with a knife, saying he only wanted to keep Tracy with him. Tracy escaped Dahmer and ran into the streets and flagged down a police car. Dahmer had also handcuffed Tracy, trying to keep him there a little longer. Tracy just wanted the handcuffs off. The police couldn't get it off, so Tracy agreed to take them back to Dahmer. Dahmer was waiting for them. He allowed police to come inside, and it was all over. Dahmer was arrested, and the pain from his victims' families was just beginning but they could also try to heal by facing the killer and what he had done. Dahmer was indicated on 15 counts of murder, and the trial began on January 30th of 1992. Dahmer pled insanity as his defense due to the nature of his disturbing and uncontrollable impulses. The court declared him sane and guilty on 15 counts of murder. He was sentenced to 15 life terms for a total of 957 years in prison. The same year he entered a guilty plea for the murder of his first victim, Stephen Hicks, and received an additional life sentence. Dahmer served his time at the Columbia Correction Institution in Portland, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. I'm so sorry about butchering that. I am very tired while I'm recording this and very dyslexic right now. Dahmer expressed remorse for his actions and wished for his own death. Even at the trial, Dahmer had said, this is not about freedom for me. It has never been about freedom for me. And he also expressed that he only wanted to name his victims so that the families could finally have closure. Well, Dahmer got his wish for his own death. Dahmer was attacked twice in prison and the second attack on November 28th of 1994, he died on the way to the hospital due to head trauma. There were so many things about the Dahmer Netflix series that had gotten it so correct and so right about what had actually happened in his life.
There are many theories of why Dahmer became the way he was. And honestly, for my all opinion, after doing all of my research, I think it was a lack of parental communication in his life. His parents had left him alone when he was 18 year old, 18 years old, and even before that, his parents always constantly fought and didn't want to spend time with their son or make sure that he was well taken care of instead of their fighting. When Dahmer was left alone with his mom, she would just often fall asleep due to her pills. His dad had shown an interest with Dahmer in helping him collect roadkill and carcasses off the side of the road with animals, but it was only because he felt that his son had an interest in science, which was the same kind of field that he was in. I'm also very happy that Dahmer's victims' families got the chance to confront Dahmer and just say how much pain they were in because of him. It's not often times that you get to see something where you can confront somebody's killer, but I'm so glad that the victims' families got to do that and just tell Ma Dahmer how much of a monster he is. Well. I guess we can go ahead and close that case file and please take this sandwich away from me. I do not want it anymore. As always guys, thank you so much for listening. I will be trying to figure out how to post all of my social media. If there is a case file that you would like me to go over, please let me know. Thank you for joining the Neverland case files. Have a very good day. Neverland Case Files was written and performed by Caitlin Niskimski.